Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is taken from our Strong in Grace series, which walks through Ephesians chapter 6. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, take your Bible and let's turn there. And uh, last week, if you were with us, we, uh, we kind of sat down on the coffee table, right, right across the coffee table from Paul, and we were brought face to face with a truth that every single believer needs to be reminded of. Every follower of Jesus needs to be reminded of. And of course, we've been in this study in the book of Ephesians, learning about the grace of God or the strength that God gives in the life of his followers. And and Paul set us down last week. And if you were here, he, he set us down and he kind of looked us, looked us in the eyes. Remember his words when he said, finally, my brother. Hey, it was Paul saying, I've, I've taught you a lot. I've given you a lot. But I've got one last message for you. I've got one thing for you. It was almost as if Paul was saying to the believers at Ephesus and to us, even though you've listened to this whole letter that I've written to you, Don't miss this truth. Well, what was the truth he presented last week? The truth that he presented to us is that there's there's a war going on and you and I are involved in it. There's a war against the enemy of darkness. It's called spiritual warfare and, and it's not a war like maybe a war overseas where we know that it's going on, but we're not in it. No, this is a war that you and I, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you play a significant part of this war. And if you were here last week, Paul kind of helped us understand a few thoughts about this war, about spiritual warfare. He helped us see three thoughts that we noticed last week. The first is that in this war, we are powerless. You and I, we, we don't have the strength to stand up against the enemy in and of ourselves. Paul said, no, you've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hey, you need God to strengthen you each and every day. We are powerless in, in this war, but he is all powerful. The second thing that we noticed last week that we're going to dig into more today is that in this warfare, we are unequipped. You may think that you have resources. You may think that you uh, can stand up and that in your might, you can do some things. And Paul said, hey, no, we are unequipped, but God, he has great resources. It's the whole armor of God that we talked about. And then the third principle that we noticed last week is the thought that not only are we powerless, not only are we unequipped, but we can be easily distracted. Well, what'd Paul mean by that? We can lose sight of who the real enemy is. Remember, Paul said it this way, and we'll read the verse again in a moment. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against uh, the, the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul said, hey, don't think that your enemy is someone who has a different opinion than you. Because if we're, if we're honest this morning and what we talked about last week, as we travel through life, sometimes we can begin to think that the person with a different political view they're the enemy. The person with different personal preferences, they're the enemy. That church or that cult or that whatever, they're the enemy. And the fact is, hey, they aren't the enemy. The devil is behind all of it. And he's the real enemy. And so while we can be easily distracted, allow God to help you refocus. And so we kind of listened to Paul as he taught those thoughts to us. And Really, the main thing we boiled, boiled the, the principle down to last week was as we travel through this war, sometimes we can think that we need a lot of things. And Paul was saying, hey, every day, you know what you need? Every day, you just need God. Every day, have the mindset of, God, I need you. God, I can't handle this battle on my own. God, I can't handle the enemy on my own. God, I need you. I need your resources. I need you to remind me who the enemy is. I need your power. And that was the principle that we walked away with last week. As we come to, uh, to our time in Ephesians 6 this morning, I wonder if you've ever been, uh, you ever been on a trip to a, a destination, vacation, or maybe you've been to a, a restaurant or you've been to an event, and as the event or trip or that restaurant uh, uh, experience continued, you kept receiving and receiving and receiving 
And it's like things kept being given to you. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, how much is this going to cost? You ever had something like that happen? But then you find out, oh no, it's all included in the price. It's all included. I remember years ago, my dad, he said, hey, we're going to go to this sporting event. I I think it was a Mariners game, if I remember right. I was just a teenager, maybe 14. He said, we got got some friends that invited us to this game. We We got some special, a special package. I was like, all right, cool. We showed up to this, I believe it was the Mariners game. We showed up there and, and uh, man, we didn't have to pay for parking. We had a parking pass. So we got parking right up front. When we got to the gate, they, uh, they took us to this special elevator. And this elevator took us to a special level in the, in the stadium. And in that special level, uh, an usher escorted us to a box. And as you walked in, that box had like recliners in it and padded chairs and like, couches and TVs. And, and I walked in as like a 13, 14-year-old teenage boy. And you know what I saw? The buffet line. <laughs> I saw that buffet line and I thought, man, this is awesome. And I, we, we walked in and got to sit in a recliner and watch this game, got to get up and the buffet line. And then you want to know what else was there? Was a, a beverage line. It had every soda that you could think of. Well, if you're a teenager and you have access to unlimited soda, what do you do? You get it all. So I got one of the big cups that they had. And they weren't the little chintzy, cheap cardboard cups, you know. They were like nice ones. And I filled it up and I made, I made that drink, you know, where you're going down every little line. You know, you come back and you're like, ah, a little bit more of that, a little bit more of that. Sprite. No, I'm not getting Sprite, you know. And, and you fill that puppy up, you drink it all. And I remember that whole game, they just kept bringing food. They kept bringing more food. Mom, I don't know if you were with us, but they just kept bringing all of this stuff. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, this is going to cost dad an arm and a leg, but I don't care. I'm drinking all this soda. I'm eating all this food. And I remember finding out later it was all included. And it was an all-inclusive package deal. Perhaps you've even been on a, a restaurant, keeps bringing things out, or a, a vacation where the hotel just keeps pouring things on, and you keep finding out more and more that's included. There's no extra charges. You just got the best deal. I mean, it, it, I'm talking about the hotel room that comes with breakfast, lunch, dinner, and parking. Anymore, how many of you realize if you ever buy a hotel, you got to pay for parking? I hate it. I love when I find out parking's included. All inclusive. There was one price, and when that one price was paid, everything else came along with it. This morning, the principle that we're going to walk away with is that when you receive Jesus Christ into your life, if, if you have made that decision and you put your faith and your trust in Jesus The Bible teaches this principle, that God provides everything that you'll need for this life. It's all-inclusive. It's all-inclusive. It's it's God saying, hey, I paid the one price, and you get all of the benefits. And this morning, that's one of the principles that Paul helps us to understand, because in this warfare... As we travel through this warfare, as we travel through life fighting against the devil, our enemy, as we do that, sometimes we can think, God, I, don't, I can't do this. And God goes, you're right, you can't, but I can. You're right, you don't have the strength, the power, or the resources, but I do. It was all included. When you received me into your life, you got access to everything that is in me. This morning, as we look at this, I want you to see what we're talking about. And so take your Bible and let's stand. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter number six. Ephesians chapter six. And I'm gonna begin, begin in the verses that we were in last week so we can kind of get a running start into this and catch the context of Ephesians chapter six and verse number 10. Notice what Paul writes. Finally, my brethren. Remember that word, finally. It's him saying one last truth. Uh, it's not just in conclusion. It's him saying like, I'm wrapping all of this up, but this is probably one of the most important things I can give you. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against other human beings and mankind, But instead, we wrestle against principalities, 
against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, because of this, take unto you the whole armor of God, all the resources of God, so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Again, this morning, we're going to understand and see that in this warfare, all of our resources have have been paid for. God gives us all that we need to stand against the enemy. And so we're going to dive into this passage today and next week and discover six specific resources that God gives us as we battle against our enemy. And so this morning, I wanna pray with you and ask God to help us. And I just wanna ask you today, as we go to the Lord in prayer, would you just once again, just give God permission to speak to you? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you just pray something simple? God, please speak to me. God, help me today. Help me to hear from you today. God, show me where I've been relying on my own strength. God, show me where I've been relying on my own resources. And help me to know and to hear what you want me to listen to today. Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you again for your word. We thank you for how it applies to us. And God, we just wanna pray that as we go through it today, that you would help us to hear from you. Would you speak into our lives? Would you help us to be reminded of the truth that you desire to travel our days with us, that we are not alone, that we can have your strength. Help us to understand that in a practical sense and how it can apply to us each and every day. And we love you, God. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I want to give uh, just kind of a, a word of encouragement to anybody that's here that has been, uh, has been in church for any length of time. And here's, here's what I want to say to you is that if you're like me, if you've been in church for any length of time, when someone gets up to speak on a familiar passage, you think, oh man, I know everything there is to know about this one. Uh, if you're like me, sometimes I'll be at a meeting and a pastor will get up and he'll say, open your Bibles too. And he'll say a passage and I'll think, oh man, yeah, I just got done studying that. I love this passage. And, and if I'm not careful, sometimes the mindset will come, well, I, I, could, I could probably preach this one a little bit better than he could. I'm just being honest with you. I might, I might think that. And you know what the Lord's challenged me with as I've been even coming to Ephesians chapter six? This is probably one of the passages that I am very familiar with. It's one of the places that I remember growing up in, in church and in a Christian school until the eighth or ninth grade. Uh, I memorized Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 18. I can't tell you how many times I had to memorize it, you know, and I'd memorize it for a quiz or something like that. And it's there. And so if I knew that if I came to this passage and had that mindset of, well, I've got this, that I wouldn't learn anything. And so what, I'm, what I wanna share with you today are things that I've learned this week. I just set it all aside. I said, I'm gonna pretend like I don't know anything about this passage. And I'm gonna kind of take all of that uh, pretense and all the, those uh, preconceived thoughts and set them to the side and just learn some things. And so if you've been in church for any length of time, I wanna encourage you to do what I did this week. Just set it aside, all right? And let's learn some things together. As Paul sits across the coffee table from us and he tells us, hey, we are involved in this warfare and you are not uh, just a bystander that's watching the news and hearing about the war. No, 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 no. You're a participant. You are one that needs to pick up a weapon and you are fighting the enemy each and every day. We learned those truths last week and we've been given, uh, the one we wanna jump into is the fact that we've been given resources. You need to pick up some things each and every day and the resources that we're going to look at, I believe these three specific resources can help you, not, in your, not just in your life, but it can help us this week. So what are the resources that God equips us with as we stand or fight against our enemy? I want you to see, first of all, today that in this warfare, God, he supplies us with truth against lies. 
All right, the, de- the, the, the Lord supplies us against tru- with truth against lies. Where do we see this? Look at verse number 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Having your loins girt about with truth. Now, in this passage, Paul, he uses the illustration of a Roman soldier's armor. Now, again, we always understand this when we come to scripture, context matters. We know that Paul is writing this letter to the believers at Ephesus. He is writing it from a jail cell. He is literally in this moment, Paul is on 24-7 guard. Someone's watching him 24-7. And even though we know from the book of Acts that he was given a little bit of leave in the sense of he was, he was under house arrest, that doesn't mean that Paul was able to roam about places without security. Paul was able to, to roam about his jail cell with security. People were there. He, even though he was allowed to have visitors, he's attached to a Roman soldier. The people at Ephesus, they would know about Rome because Rome was the world power at the time. There would be Roman soldiers that they would pass every day carrying all of these pieces of armor that Paul refers to. And so as Paul begins to write this passage, I can imagine him sitting there and thinking to himself, man, I really, I really want to help the reader understand that this is, this is a war. Man, in a war, there's soldiers And I can imagine, can you see it with me? See Paul kind of sitting there and looking over at that guard and thinking, man, what a great illustration. He begins to pencil it and think, we we don't have resources. That soldier in and of himself, he is nothing. He needs the protection of Rome. Man, we in and of ourselves, we need the protection of God. We need God's power. And he writes and he goes, the belt. I'm going to, I'm going to write about the armor. So he writes to us, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. What is it? It's the, the belt of truth. For a Roman soldier, the belt, to have your loins girt about, that this would be a, a referring to that belt part. It was probably one of the most important pieces of armor. Here's what's interesting about the Roman soldier and the belt that they would wear Everything, excluding the shoes, the shield, and the the helmet, everything else, everything else depended upon the belt. If the belt wasn't in place, that chest plate or breastplate would not rest where it should be. If that belt was not in place, the sword would not have somewhere to be attached to. The belt was something that every piece of armor relied upon that girdle or that bell that held all the parts of the armor in place and all together. And if it was missing the other pieces of armor, even if they were there, they wouldn't fit. They couldn't fulfill the potential that they were meant to fulfill. The belt for the soldier was vitally important. And so here's the comparison. The truth for the Christian is vitally important. Truth in your life as a follower of God is vitally important. Why? Let's rewind just a little bit. Last week, we saw that we need the armor of God so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Remember that? We just read it, uh, just, I believe, verse number 11. We can stand against the wiles. What's the word wiles mean? If you were here last week, it means trickery, right? Or cunningness or craftiness. Our enemy, the devil, he doesn't fight fair. He's crafty, he's cunning. And you wanna know what the devil is in the life of a believer? He's a liar. Let's go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. How did the devil tempt Eve? He took some truth and he threw a lie into it. And what did Eve do? Well, she made a decision based upon a lie not based upon the truth. So here's what Paul is writing to us as readers and believers. He's writing to us to understand, hey, Satan is a liar, but as a believer, if you are controlled by God's truth, you can defeat, you can stand against the lies of the enemy. Because the fact of the matter is this, that once a lie, 
Once a lie gets into the life of a believer, everything begins to fall apart. I'll say that again. Once a lie gets into the life of a believer, everything begins to fall apart. The belt of truth, though, what does it do? It prevents us from falling prey to the devil's lies. Truth stops us. Truth helps us to protect ourselves against Satan's lies. This is one of the reasons Paul wrote to the believers at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What what is Paul writing there? He's saying, hey, the devil's gonna come and he's going to put in your life and in your mind things that say something different, that exalt themselves against the knowledge that you have of God. When that happens, cast it out because the devil knows if he can get you to believe... If he can get you and I to believe a lie, our Christian life starts to fall apart. Oh, we, we're still saved. We still are a child of God, but we are not fulfilling the potential and the walk with God that God desires. We are not being used like the Lord wants. We are not experiencing a fulfilling relationship with God because we are believing against the devil's lies. So... <clears throat> In order to stand against the attacks of the enemy, we must build truth into our life. All right, pastor, how do I build truth into my life? I'm gonna give you three very simple ways of building truth into your life. Number one, have a steady diet of the word of God. Hey, be a Christian that spends time in the word of God. Physical health depends upon a healthy diet of right foods. So spiritual health depends upon the healthy diet of spiritual food. I say it all the time and it it has become like a broken record, but I don't apologize for it. I believe the number one thing the devil will fight in your life is your time in this book. Why? Because this book is God's word. It's God's love letter to you. And so the devil will fight that. He doesn't want you to get up in the morning and spend time with him or to, to take time at night before you go to bed and read the word of God and digest it and, and, and uh, seek truth through the word of God. Hey, a steady diet of the word of God will help you know truth because this is God's truth. It's not your truth. It's not my truth. It's his truth. So how do I, how do I have a truth in my life? How do I invest truth into my life? A steady diet of the word of God. Number two, you seek truth. Well, pastor, what do you mean by that? Not just getting in the word of God, but when something comes up in your life that you have a question about, find the truth out about it. Seek truth, pursue it. Make it where I'm going to every day not just listen to the diet of someone else's truth or I'm not gonna want someone else's truth. I'm not just gonna, when you're at church, I'm not just gonna take pastor's word for it. I'm gonna go home and study it myself. I'm gonna go home and figure this out for myself. And when you have a coworker that says, well, what about this? It's okay to give the answer. I don't know, but I'll find out. Well, how do I seek truth? You get back in the word. Find the topic. Someone asks you a question. Well, what's the Bible say about this? I don't know. I'm gonna find, I'm gonna seek it out. I'm gonna study it out. What's the third way that we can do it? Rehearse truth. You want to instill truth into your life. Not only do we have a steady diet of the word of God and then seek it when we need answers, but rehearse it. Keep coming back to it. Keep reflecting upon it. Keep finding yourself bringing the truth of God back into the forefront of your mind. Because the fact is when the believer relies on truth, they can stand against the lies of the enemy. And what are, some, what are some of the lies that the devil throws our way? Let me give you just a few lies and maybe a truth that would combat them. You know, the devil will tell you sometimes, the devil will say, hey, God is not powerful enough for your current situation. God can't handle what's going on in your life. 
You want to know there's some truth that combats that. Jeremiah 32, 17, God can help me with anything. Exodus 13, 3, God has the power to deliver. Psalm 29, 3 through 9, God speaks and things happen. Ephesians 1, his resurrection power is immeasurably great. Revelation, God has power over every situation. Uh, Daniel chapter 4, no one can challenge what God does because God is all-powerful. What's another lie the devil brings into your life? Hey, uh, in your situation, God's forgotten about you. God has abandoned you. Psalm 139, God is always with me. Hebrews 13, 5, his presence will continually bring contentment in my life. Hebrews 13, 5, again, God promised to never leave me or forsake me. What is that? It's a truth against a lie. How about this one? You know, God doesn't care about you in this moment. Romans 8, God is constantly growing me toward Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1, God is never out of control. Matthew chapter 11, God offers strength in every situation and he invites me into his presence each and every day. How about this one? You know, God doesn't love you anymore. The devil does that, doesn't he? He crawls up on your shoulder and he says, I can't believe you would do that. God, God, God surely doesn't love you anymore. What's the truth that can combat that? Well, Romans chapter eight, his love for me is unconditional. First John four, God's very character is love. Jeremiah 33 or 31, God loves with a love that cannot fail. I'm just simply saying this morning that the devil, he's gonna climb up on your shoulder and he's going to give you some lies, but God has equipped you with truth. The belt of truth, that, that truth that really holds everything up. And here's the, here's the uh, understanding that we need to have. For the Christian, that belt is so vitally important that if we don't have truth, nothing else matters. If you pay attention to the news in our society, isn't that what's happening? Truth is relative, right? Well, that's not my truth. Sometimes as Christians, we need to recognize, we need to step back and again, we need to step back and remember the enemy isn't the person that says, well, that's not my truth. The enemy is the liar, the devil. He's the, he's the one who's coming to say, well, hath God said? And if you and I are immersing ourselves in truth, we can stand against the lies of the enemy. Man, building truth into your life is vitally important for the Christian. Number one, today, God supplies us with truth against lies. Notice, secondly, that God, he supplies us with righteousness against accusation. God supplies us with righteousness against accusation. Look at the second part of verse number 14. We read these words. And having on the breastplate... Of righteousness. Remember the context. Hey, God's given you resources to be able to stand or to be able to hold your ground against the enemy. You need the belt of truth, but you also need the breastplate of righteousness. Now that breastplate of righteousness that would hang just above the belt of truth, it was a piece of armor that was made with metal plates or chains that would cover the body from the neck to the waist. It would cover front and back. It would protect against all sorts of weapons that would attack the heart and the vital organs. With this piece of armor, the soldier would not fall to the attacks of something against that armor. But if, they, if this soldier did not have the breastplate of righteousness, that soldier would be vulnerable to any and every attack from the enemy. Well, here's what Paul wants us to know. Paul wants us to know that God's righteousness, God's rightness is available to us and available for us. And God's righteousness protects us from the accusations of the enemy. Now, let me explain this in two ways. The first is this. <clears throat> when you come to know Jesus Christ as your savior, the Bible teaches in many places that God, Jesus, that Jesus Christ becomes the advocate. He becomes the one that stands in between you and God as judge, right? Because God is righteous 
And God cannot look upon sin and God cannot be around sin. And you and I, we are born sinners separated from God. And so God offers through his son, Jesus Christ, forgiveness because of the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, we can have forgiveness. And when a person confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and they turn to him, when a person does that, what happens is Jesus or God takes Jesus's righteousness and puts that on the believer. So here's what's awesome. When God looks at you, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees his son. That's the righteousness of Christ. The word is it's imputed or placed upon us as God's people. Isn't that awesome? And when God looks at you, he doesn't see how wicked and wretched you are. And me too. I'm so thankful for that. When God looks at me, he doesn't see all the sin of Dennis Fountain. No, he sees the righteousness of his son. Okay, so application number one. When you receive Christ, you're made righteous in Christ. That means that when God looks at you, he always sees Jesus. That means whenever the devil comes and accuses you, hey, how dare you do that? How dare you say that? How dare you think that? And the devil comes and throws accusations at you. You're able to say, well, I'm thankful for forgiveness. The righteousness of Jesus testifies for me. Let me say it this way on this, making this application, that when you receive Christ as your savior, hell is no longer your destination. Here's what the devil likes to do. He likes to come and accuse you and say, your salvation did not stick. Hey, you may have done that decision when you were a kid or when you were an adult at church or when you were in Sunday school or at camp or whatever. And the devil comes and he likes to accuse and say, but yours didn't stick. Well, because of Christ, I can stand and say, no, it did. I'm made righteous in him and nothing can pluck me from the hand of God. Aren't you thankful for that? That Jesus said, you are in my hand and my hand is in the father's hand and nothing can pull you out of there. Man, we are made righteous in Christ. Now, the second application and what I believe Paul is inferring here is this principle. As we travel through life, we make decisions based upon some things. Are you listening? We make decisions in life based upon what we think is right or what God thinks is right. Now, let's be honest. Have you ever made a decision that you thought was right that later you were like, I'm an idiot? You ever thought that? I won't have you raise your hand because some of you, your your spouse is gonna be elbowing you, you know? Man, I know that's me. There's been times where I make a decision, I'm like, this is the right decision, but I didn't ever, I didn't ever confer with God. I didn't ever get with God and say, God, what do you want me to do in this? When I make those decisions in and of myself, you know what the devil does? He echoes what I say. And I go, man, I'm an idiot. The devil goes, yep, you're right. You can't do anything right. And listen, follow this. I give the devil more areas to accuse me in life. Does that make sense? When I'm living based upon my decisions and I'm living based upon my uh, direction, I give the devil more area to accuse me. Now, here's the principle I think we can get from this. That the person who puts on the breastplate of righteousness, this is the Christian who makes decisions based upon the righteousness or the rightness or the holiness of God. Well, what does that look like practically? It's me every day. God, help me to choose right today. Not because it's expected of me, not because I'm hoping to have a higher ground with you. No, no, no. God, help me to choose to follow you and love you today and that love to be identified by making right choices. I've used the illustration many times before. My wife, Hannah, and I, we are at 18 years and um, let's see, 18 years and three months or four months of marriage and we're all coming up. May of next year will be 19 years. Here's what I know about Hannah. Hannah does not want me 
to be faithful to her simply because I said vows. Make sense? She wants me to be faithful to her because I love her. So as I go through my days, I should make decisions not based upon, well, I said a vow to Hannah, I better do what's right. <sighs> that, that shouldn't be my mind. Are you following me? That shouldn't be the mindset of a married person. No, my mindset should be, I love her, and so I want to do right by her. I want to be right for her. Not because I'm, uh, well, hopefully she doesn't get mad at me today and, you know, punch me when I go home, which, I don't know. Anyway, you all can see Hannah doing that, right? I live in a very abusive relationship. I'm kidding. No, I I don't want to make decisions in fear or expectation. No, I love her. Thus, I want to do right by her. Does that make sense? That's what God wants from you. God doesn't want you to follow him and make right decisions because it's like, oh no, he might strike me dead or oh no, uh, well, I made a decision. I'm a Christian now. You can't do those things. I mean, all my boring life, I just, no, listen, I love God. And since I love God, I make decisions based upon that which is right by God. What does that do for the life of a believer? It doesn't give the devil access to accuse. He's going to accuse, right? He's always going to accuse. But now I can be like, no. Devil, that's false. I don't, I don't believe that. Why? Because I'm attempting in my life to make every decision based upon my love for God and the, what is right by God. So the believer should put on every day the breastplate of, of righteousness. This is the believer who simply wakes up in the day and as they go through the day, they... Ask God, is this right? This is the believer who understands, uh, you, you no doubt have been on a job before and someone teaching you to do a job and throughout the job, what are you gonna be asking them? I mean, if you wanna learn it correctly, you're gonna be going, hey, is this right? Hey, is this the right move? Hey, do I put this here? Hey, is this, have I learned this the correct way? That's kind of the approach our life should be with God each and every day. Hey, God, is, is this decision right? Is what I'm about to say correct? Hey, God, is this opinion right? Is this uh, approach to my workplace right? I'm just applying his rightness, his righteousness into my decisions. When Satan accuses the Christian, it's the righteousness of Christ that assures us of our salvation. But as we have practical righteousness applied each and every day, As we do that, it gives Satan less and less opportunity to attack us. I have this quote from one man talking about this righteousness. He says, as the actual warrior has protected the heart when he has laced this covering over his chest, so your righteousness renders your heart and will be inaccessible to the hostile influence of the devil and his forces. You see, the devil's going to always try to accuse and attack your heart and your emotions, but your righteousness with God helps resist that attack. So God supplies the believer with truth against lies. He supplies the believer with righteousness against accusation. And lastly today, God supplies the believer with peace against fear. Peace against fear. Notice this last piece of armor that we'll cover for this morning in verse number 15. When Paul wrote these words, and have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I love this one. I learned so much this week as I studied out the sandal or the shoes of peace. The Roman sandal, what's interesting is it was shod with or equipped with nails or spikes that would be on the bottom of that sandal or of that shoe that those spikes or those nails, sometimes uh, some would maybe be a half inch or even an, an inch long, that as they walked, it would give them footing. They would be able to walk uphill easier. They would be able to stand their ground. It allowed them to hold firm in the ground when they were maybe on a slope or in somewhere that they would slip. It was almost like the cleat is 
to a football player or a baseball player, except more extreme in that if they slid into home plate wearing these, you would die. (laughs) So the word shod, it means to bind under. The word preparation in its root, it means to be fully equipped or ready with or to have a solid, ready knowledge of. And then the phrase gospel of peace just simply means the good news of peace or rest or the quietness of your soul. Here's what Paul is saying. The peace of God gives you the footing or the ability to stand when others are going to fall or others are going to stumble. I mentioned a second ago, cleats. Maybe you've, well, I'll say it this way. You ever go hiking? I don't know a lot of people that go mountain hiking in flip-flops. Now, I know some that try. Doesn't work out very well. But if you're ever going to go hiking or if you're ever going to walk over rocky terrain or rough terrain, good shoes equip you to do that. I, I don't know, but I've been at places, and you have too, maybe even in your home. You ever been in the home when a glass gets knocked over and it shatters and breaks or a, a frame or something like that? And that frame shatters? Well, if the kids are barefoot, do you go, hey, Johnny Jr., come over here. Hey, walk across that. No, you probably don't. Usually it's the person with shoes, right? The person with shoes that says, hey, I'll get it. They walk over, they walk right across that glass. They grab the broom, they grab the dustpan, they sweep it up, they pick a few pieces out of their shoe. That shoe enables me to walk again or to walk over any rough terrain. It allows me to be able to endure some things that I would not be able to endure without them. Well, just as the shoes allow us to walk on otherwise painful terrain without fear, so the preparation of the gospel of peace or the knowledge of the good news of peace, it allows us to travel the otherwise painful trials and tribulations of life without fear. You see, the good news of the peace, or excuse me, the good news of peace is the good news of Jesus Christ. And what we need to understand, as Paul writes, that you put on your feet the knowledge, the preparation, the skillful knowledge of the good news of peace. As you travel through life, as you and I walk in this life, we need to recognize that his peace can be my foundation. His peace can determine the the steps and the direction I take. And as storms of life come, I can have the peace of God. I don't know if you, if you can uh, just stop for a minute and think about this with me, but those of you that know the scripture, how often is God's peace mentioned throughout scripture? A lot. It's mentioned a lot. Why? Because life sometimes can stink. You ever been in such a tumultuous situation? I know there's some here, even this morning, someone said, man, pastor, I just feel like I'm, I'm Noah, but I'm in a rowboat. Like a pastor, I feel like it's just pouring down and I'm not, not highlighting that, that situation, but I'm helping us understand all of us have been there, haven't we? Man, we've all been there. But you know what I need going through those times? I need the good news of peace to be my anchor. Well, what is it? Hey, wherever I go, my feet, I have bound to my steps. I have bound to the direction of my life the good news of the peace of God. So no matter where life takes me, no matter where my shoes travel, I have peace. I can rest in him. I can trust in him. You know what that peace does? Just like I said a second ago, the cleat, it's football season. I like football season. Maybe you don't. It's okay. I still do. I like it. I pay attention to it. I have fun with football season and I'll pay attention uh, to my Denver Broncos. And for those of you that are Seattle Seahawks, I say, thank you for your quarterback. (laughs) We're going to be a lot better this year. You know, football, football cleats, I've played it before. And I, I remember when I first started playing football that I would go to practice in just tennis shoes. And I'd try to run routes as a tight end. And I'd try to be a linebacker that would go around the edge and, and sack the quarterback. And I remember doing it in tennis shoes. You know what I found with tennis shoes? I fell a lot. 
Finally, after a couple days of football, I went home and I was like, dad, we need to go to the store. Why? I need some cleats. Oh yeah, I guess you probably do. Yeah, I do before I break my legs. And you know what I did? I, I put on some cleats. You ever played a sport where you have to have cleats? What's it do? It helps you run better. It provides you footing. As a football player, if you come up on a block, man, that block can come against you and your stance and the, 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 uh, the support of those cleats, man, you won't go anywhere. Well, for the football player, those cleats, they provide support and strong footing and comfort and agility and help and more. And the same is true for the believer. For the Christian, we must consistently be reminding ourselves of the peace of God because that peace of God, it provides support in times of struggle. His peace gives me footing when the enemy tells me that life is out of control. His peace comforts me during turmoil. His peace causes me to be able to navigate life struggles and the rough terrain of life, having confidence, being led by his Holy Spirit. His peace, it provides my heart with the help, with the understanding that I need him each and every day. Why? Because he is the Prince of Peace and he can provide that rest or that quietness in my soul. And the good news of peace, it keeps us upright and firm and it keeps us from falling victim to the devil's attack of fear. Because when fear creeps into a Christian's life, that fear can cripple us. We become fearful in talking about our faith. We become fearful in growing in our faith. We become fearful in being faithful to our faith. Hey, don't let fear in your life. How do I fight? How do I stand against fear, pastor? Paul, how do I stand against fear? Hey, bring God's peace back as the footing in your life. He is in control. He is still the Prince of Peace. And though your life may seem tumultuous, he is in control of the storm. And maybe this storm, he might not say, peace be still. This storm, he might say, hang on and buckle up. But you know what? I can hang on and buckle up. Why? Because I'm hanging on to him and I'm buckling up in his peace. So don't let the devil attack you with fear. Why? God has supplied you with peace against fear. I think I've told this story before, but years ago when Hannah and I were raising money for the church plant here, we, we, uh, we were flown out to Chicago. A friend of mine said, hey, come out and present your church and, and, uh, at our missions conference. And so, so we went out to Chicago. I think we were there for a week. And on one of the days, he said, hey, I'm going to take everybody into Chicago, downtown Chicago, have a great time and go eat some really good food. And, and we went to this one place. The name of this place was called uh, Maggiano's. Anybody here ever been to a Maggiano's? Now, Maggiano's, it's a really, uh, I would say, just a really fancy Italian restaurant. And we went into Maggiano's, and I'm thinking, restaurant, I'm going to go in, look at a menu, and figure out what I want. But as we went in and we sat down, it was amazing food, and the meal just blew me away. Still, Hannah and I talk about this to this day. If we ever get back to Chicago, I'm going to Maggiano's again. And I heard there might even be one in Seattle. I don't know. Someone look that up later. Do it right now. Just Google it. I'm kidding. Don't. <laughs> Some of you are like, great. Uh, I remember we went into to Maggiano's, and as we went in, we sat down. And uh, I was thinking I was going to order, and I didn't have to. The pastor said, hey, I got it all taken care of. I said, awesome. So they brought out salad. And I, at the time, I... I liked salad, but I didn't want salad as my main meal. And so I was like, okay, it'll be all right, be all right. Chicken salad, I'm good. I ate salad. Well, then they brought out some soup. I said, here's some soup. We had that. A few minutes later, they said, all right, the appetizers will be out in a minute. Appetizers? I'm kind of full from salad. A few minutes went by and they brought out appetizers and on the appetizer tray, they had like stuffed, stuffed mushrooms, which I love. They had uh, the, the crab dip and chips and they had mozzarella sticks and they had bread sticks and they, they literally just kept bringing it. And I was eating the appetizer and I was thinking, man, I am, I'm full. And then the waiter came out and he said, your main courses will be out in a minute. And I was like, courses, Plural? I'm not exaggerating. They brought out lasagna, chicken alfredo, 
meat spaghetti, meat, uh, just meatballs, and I believe chicken cordon bleu. But they didn't bring it all out at once. They brought out the spaghetti, and I'm like, oh, that's the main course. Yeah. And I eat that. Pretty soon, chicken Alfredo. Ooh, I like chicken Alfredo. I'm going to (laughs) die. This happened for every part of the meal. They got to that main course. They got to dessert. Dessert, they didn't bring out just ice cream. They brought out ice cream, cheesecake, coconut pie, chocolate, chocolate. How many are hungry right now? You're like, pastor, tap out. Let's go eat. (laughs) You know what? We were getting done. And I remember thinking, man, this was incredible. And I remember asking the pastor, his name is Jason. I said, Jason. Man, how much this thing? How much? What, what's this cost? Like, how do, can I mean? Do we need to pay? Because that that meal had to be at least a hundred bucks a person. He's like, no, they charge a flat rate for this certain meal, and it, it was only like thirty-five or forty bucks a person. Which some of you are like, that's incredible. If you saw the food, it was like a hundred dollars worth. I ate, I ate a lot that day. I probably gained ten pounds that day. But you know what's cool is that it just kept coming. Hey, listen, as we close this morning, I just want to encourage you with this principle. We've been been on it for weeks. This is message number 16 in our series in Ephesians. Here's what I want to encourage you with. When you trust Christ as Savior, God's resources and God's grace, it just keeps coming. God just keeps pouring it on. He just keeps bringing it into your life. And this morning, specifically, the lies that the devil's gonna throw at you this week, God's gonna keep throwing truth at you. Hey, eat up. Hey, fill up. It's gonna help you. As the devil brings accusation this week, as you walk in the righteousness of God, man, God's righteousness is gonna equip you. And this week, listen, as we go through life and the devil throws fear into our lives, you don't have to allow that fear to be glass underneath your feet, cutting at your souls. You don't have to let it cut at your soul. No, listen, the peace of God, this week, it can keep you. The peace of God this week can help you because God supplies peace against fear. And when we receive Jesus Christ into our life, God supplies us with all that we need to live this life and fight this war. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.